Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Can You Put Me on Guest List. Today, my guest is the very talented and just all round great guy. It's Bontan. Bontan has become one of the biggest ever selling acts on Beatport. He won Best Newcomer at the DJ Awards in 2017. He's had releases on the likes of Hot Creations, 2020 Vision, Elro Music and Circus Recordings, and is also the owner of the record label We Belong. You need to find your sound at the label, because if yeah. you've got a label that just released completely across the board of all types of electronic music, you're, gonna, you're not going to find your sort of like niche in the market and then it's just another label then. In this week's chat, we talk about mental health during lockdown and also on the road, touring, from working solo to working with a team, keeping your social media personal, career goals, starting his label We Belong and the challenges that he's found along the way and much more. This is the last episode of my Instagram live series. So again, I'm sorry about the quality of the sound, but if you would prefer to watch this chat instead of just listening to it, then you can do so by heading over to my Instagram TV. My Instagram account is Katie Hay Knight. I really hope you guys enjoyed this chat as much as I did recording it. As I said at the beginning, he is just such a lovely guy and this was a really, really interesting chat. So I hope you guys enjoy it too. And here you have it. This is Bontan on Can You Put Me on Guest List. Yo! Yay! What's going on? How good? are you? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. Can I'm you hear good. Me okay? I can. Perfect. Can awesome. everybody ask? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I've got you. It's all good. I'm going to hope that our internet's okay. It was a bit funny this morning. So, oh, really? Yeah. Very, very I think nice. we'll be fine. It'll be all good. How awesome. are you? Yeah, good. Long hair, lockdown locks. I know. I cut my hair really short before this and it's really growing now as well. I've got to admit, I'm quite enjoying it, to be honest. Staying in, making tunes. Uh, yeah. How, what, how about you? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I mean, it's been quite hard here in Spain because obviously we haven't really been allowed to actually leave the house unless we were going to like a supermarket or to the pharmacy. Um, really? Yeah, so we haven't been allowed to like even do exercise outside up until last Saturday. Wow. So, yeah, that was quite tough. It's quite, you know, I I love getting fresh air and just going for walks, just exercising outside. And I think it's so good for your like creativity and productivity yeah. as well. You need it. So, yeah, that was quite difficult. But now we're finally allowed out once a day. We've nice. got a little time slot that we're allowed to go out in. And it's so nice. Yeah. Like, you just don't even, re you don't, you never, re I mean, obviously I appreciate Ibiza, I love Ibiza, but you never realise how much you miss just like, just even just going for fresh air, just going yeah, for a yeah, walk yeah. outside, you know? So yeah, it's been, re it's been really nice the last few days to go for like a little run and stuff. Yeah, I bet, I mean, we've, we've been pretty lucky, we've been allowed to go out, but like, I don't know, I've just been trying to not do too much, you know what I mean? It's like, because if you go for a walk down the canal, like we went for a walk tonight by the canal. And it, honestly, there was must have, must have been like 60, 70 people on this tiny canal. Really? Like, I'm part of the problem, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going home. So I just came back, fired the studio back up, you know. <laughs> That's what it's like here, though. Everybody's going for a walk at exactly the same time. So it's really, really busy out at the moment. Yeah, you go really? 
everybody's out. Everyone in the marina, like if you walk past Pasha and all of the old places like that, <laughs> yeah. it's so busy. It's like oh, as if the clubs are open. <laughs> what's what's going to happen there, do you think, about this this summer season? Do you do any idea? It's really hard to say. I'm, I really don't. I don't think anybody knows, to be honest. Um, I, think, I think it's just a bit of a waiting game to see what happens. Yeah. And especially to see, like, especially with traveling, when will people be allowed to travel between or come come to the island mm. i don't know really really difficult but i saw something was it um eight six hundred people maximum gatherings allowed in spain or something oh really oh i didn't i haven't seen that but yeah, i'm not sure no one, it's just a guessing game right now isn't it it is just kind of just got to take every day as it comes and just kind of see what happens you know <laughs> but Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully things will pick up. It will be hopefully really strange. But... <laughs> yeah, I know. It'll be such a strange summer if it like if everything just doesn't take off and it's just. It feels weird not going to DC Ten opening. Yeah. It feels so weird. Like this is the first year for the opening. I'm not missed it like eight years. It feels so strange. But think about what it will be like when you do go. <laughs> yeah, <it's good. laughs> We were like, we're not leaving. This is it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we're just kind of just all waiting just to see kind of what can happen. But slowly but surely, like, um, everything's starting to kind of come together a little bit again. Like, now since Saturday, we can leave the house and soon we'll be allowed to gather in groups of 10 people at a time. So choose your nine best friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's I don't have that many friends. <laughs> just go and delete some people off Facebook. And yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll see what happens. So what have you been up to? What's kind of, like, your routine? I'm literally, I'm writing for, like, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it, like, last year I was, t- like, touring so much, but in, like, like South America and, and North America and then, like, Australia and places like that, I was getting home jet-lagged and then so tired and then I was having to go straight back on the road again so I was like quite hit and miss with studio time and getting records finished whereas now I'm just like every day just like eight nine hours a day so it's been pretty good how do you find your like creativity like how do you feel like you have been really really creative whilst you've been at home or Uh, have you found that being locked in has kind of blocked you a little bit at first I was like probably like everyone else I'm gonna write a ton of music this is great (laughs) Like, you're probably like, I'm going to do a heap of work, I'm going to do loads of work. And then, like, day two, you're, like, playing Xbox and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then after, like, a week or two of getting in, like, the routine of, like, you're not going anywhere now. Sort of, you just, I, I've, the past three weeks has probably been the best for me. Like, two, three weeks, I've been, like, hitting in the studio pretty hard and I'm staying here. And I'm actually getting records finished as well. Like, yeah, you just got to try and find some creativity from somewhere. If it's going for walks or listening to podcasts or, or whatever, mm-hmm. try and find some inspiration where you literally can't do it. It's pretty tough, but I don't know. I've yeah. just been the past few weeks, it's been pretty, pretty mental for me in here. I've really enjoyed it to be honest. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Have you like tried or discovered anything new? Or is there anything that like you haven't been able to ever do because you've always been busy and you've always been on the road and finally you've got to do it? Do you know what? Do you know what? How do you mean in the studio? Just in general, just anything. Um, what have I been doing recently? That I've been walking more. I don't mm-hmm. really, like. I, I I'm not one for go. Like my missus, my missus, she loves going to walks. 
And I'm uh -huh. like, oh, I can't, like, it's not been for me, but the, recently we've been doing it a, like a hell of a lot more. And I'm not going to the pub as much as well. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, so like, you realise the amount of money that you save by not going out. It's in, yeah. I like not eating out, like going for the pub or going for the restaurant. I was doing that, going to the pub. Whenever I was at home, I was going to see my mates or going to eat out so much. I'm not eating out. I mean, I love eating out, but the money that you save just by cooking yourself. I'm learning to cook as well. I can cook now, finally. Now I can cook. Now Six I can weeks cook. and now I can oh, cook. It's like, <laughs> when we used to have guests around to the house, I'd be making like a salad and that's it. Whereas now I can actually make dishes, you know what I mean? Like decent food. So that's one thing that I've done is cook. A hell that's of a good. Food. What do you think is your best dish? What are you good at? Oof. I do this like um, sugar snap pea and lemon like sauce for a gnocchi. Ooh. And like make, make gnocchi as well. It's so good. Oh, you make them as well? No, that. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be coming over to yours for dinner as soon as we could get over. <laughs> you cook as well. You cook as well, right? I do. I do cook, but Attilio is much better than I am. Yeah, I see his, I see his dishes on Instagram. Like, so He's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. I, I posted something the other day. I put like, we just made this. And somebody messaged like, no, we didn't. <laughs> Attilio made that. You ate it. <laughs> oh, so man. I'm lucky there. I do the washing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so just talking a little bit about um, mental health, obviously right now it's quite, it's difficult for a lot of people. Um, obviously staying at home and just this whole situation that we're going through. Um, how have you been keeping a healthy mind during quarantine? Uh, during quarantine, it's like, you've got to speak to people. Like, you need to have contact with people, not just... It's quite easy to just go wake up and then it gets to 7, 8 o'clock at night and you've not spoke to anyone. Yeah. And then you go into sleep and then that routine, you can get into that routine pretty quickly. And it's not a good routine to be in because you, then the isolation's really mean like it hits home and then you're sort of like the loneliness kicks in and just the human contact do you know what I mean that really helps I think and then trying to just eat relatively okay as well like trying to get like a fresh juice in your body like once every day or two days you know what I mean just I think the human contact thing though and, the, and the talking to people is definitely key for me anyway I've on the phone three three four or five times a day to be friends or FaceTime and stuff. Yeah. As soon as you slip into sort of like the hole of not speaking to anyone, then you're like, oh, no one's talking to me. I'm lonely. But it's just like a spiral and then you can go to some dark places. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you find that's the same as well when you're on the road? Because obviously this might be, this is like a strange time for you guys because when you're on the road and, obviously, and you're playing and you have all of these gigs, you're in contact with people a lot, even yeah. though I know that there's also the lonely side to it with the traveling and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like you don't really see, you don't see anybody at all. So that must be quite a strange situation. It's quite a contrast. Yeah, it's the same on the road though because... Obviously, you've seen it yourself in, in clubs and stuff. You're there for most DJs are there for two hours maximum, and then you're gone, and then you're in the hotel by yourself for till, yeah. till, the, till the next flight. So you are having a connection with people for two hours maximum, and most of the time it's people you don't know, it's strangers, and then sometimes it's in places where you don't speak the language as well, which is your own fault. It's my it's my fault for not speaking the language. You know, it's not no one else's fault. But then the loneliness really that's when it hits hard because. 
you could go to a place in like Brazil. Well, I was in Brazil last year. I went to the, they picked me up, took me to the club and then took me back to the hotel and then the hotel reception said, I can't leave because it's not safe for me to leave. So then it's oh, like, wow. so then you literally, I'm in the same Colombia. I was in the hotel room in Colombia for four days straight, didn't leave the actual room. And I was just oh like, my goodness. so then I was just going <laughs> insane at the end of the day. At, at the end of the third, fourth day, I was just like, I need to do something. So I just, I just risked it and went for a little walk and then. And no, back to the hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm coming back. I'm so yeah. I, I was getting followed by like a gang of like six guys in, in, uh, oh in Colombia, so I just bailed. I was like, I'm going back. <sighs> yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah on the road. It's it, it's tough because um, yes, especially with time zones, you could be in a place where all your friends are asleep at home. Yeah, you just got to try and find some sort of connection out there as well. Like on the road, I try and find like it's mainly like staff at the hotel that I try and speak to like like bar staff or whatever because a lot of the time you do speak English because they work a bit on the bar and it's sort of like yeah healthy side of things so I can go and speak to them which is pretty cool yeah so kind of like friends yeah I was just gonna say to you sometimes you go back to these places and you're like oh same guy as I was here well, last time you make friendships in, in this place in Ecuador they've had the same bartender for since I've been going so every time I go back I'm not like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm like, boom, let's go and see him at the bar. Do you know what I mean? And like, we'll chat for hours. Yeah. But same with like Australia. You go one time, first time, it's lonely as hell. But then you go back, you've got mates there, and you've got friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the beauty about it as well, especially being able to travel the world. You just make so many friends and connections from all over That's the it. planet. That's it. That's so, it. So How, do, do you travel much? Yeah. Especially with the radio we do, because we do a lot of... Um, of live broadcast from like different festivals and stuff but i'm normally with somebody else as normally two of us goes so it yeah. doesn't really get but i actually really i know it's hard to say because i don't travel as much as you do but i, I do enjoy my own company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i probably I wouldn't say that if i was by myself every single weekend yeah. <laughs> but i don't I say, I'm... do five years of it and i bet you hate your own company <laughs> <laughs> probably right probably yeah. right <laughs> do you do you enjoy being by yourself or not not really it depends sometimes it, sometimes it's just nice just to just do your own thing do you know what I mean it's like I can listen to music for in bed in a hotel room for six hours and not be judged you know I mean? yeah <laughs> and like headphones on not have not have to do anything at all and just go and and listen to music but then sometimes it's like especially if it's a long run Mm -hmm. by itself for like two weeks or something it's, it, it, yeah, it gets a bit grim then yeah do you think that's kind of started um as your career went on or at the beginning of when you started touring right at the beginning did uh, you feel that loneliness then or was that more excitement and it was excitement because it's like yeah I'm, the first gig that i did in um abroad was in like 2014 in ireland Really? And I, like, and I was like, this is the, I can't believe I'm traveling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best, this is the best. I was like flying to Ireland thinking it was like <sighs> crazy, magical foreign land. I love it. And then it's like, but then like going to Scotland and stuff. That's the furthest I'd like, not on like a holiday with my family, going to like Scotland and Ireland by myself for a gig. I was like, this is insane. I can't believe I'm traveling so much. And wow. Then, <laughs> yeah, it was love, honestly. And then like, yeah, it's, that was that was, and then but like skip forward to now, and I'm like in the deepest of South America by myself, like yeah, 
Listen, in six years, that's a, like you've done so much in six years. Yeah. If that was 2014, your first time. Do you yes. find that, especially now that you're like obviously at home and you've probably got a lot more time on your hands, that you're kind of looking back on everything that's probably happened over the last last six years? Yeah. You know what? In the moment, when you th this, this is what one thing that I have noticed is like I find myself reflecting more on where I've been and like going back and looking at photos and videos. Whereas yeah. in the, when you're in the moment, you know, like I didn't really appreciate it as much. Not, I'm not saying I didn't appreciate it, but like, yeah, you know, take in where you are. Like this time last year came up on the Facebook as a, um, a memory. I was in Tokyo this, like this time last year. And I was it, and like, in South Korea as well. And I'm, I'm looking at it thinking, oh, that was insane. That was mental. <laughs> but when you're there, I was like, I need to sleep. I haven't slept in like 22 hours and I need to go to a hotel and sleep. I was thinking, what have I done? Yeah. I, had, I had 48 hours in South Korea and Tokyo and I tried to get some sleep. I was like, what are you up to? What are you doing? What are you doing? I wish I could go back again. I'm just like, I, I'm, I am really excited for touring to start again because I, I feel like I'll look at it in a different light. I'm, yeah, I'm so I was just going to say. Yeah. You'll probably look at it in a different way. Yeah, go to these places. I'll actually go and spend some time and see the culture and stuff and like try and experience different things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I did see actually, you did you you posted something about this the other day, didn't you? Where you said, yeah. just kind of looking back and a, 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 you don't really normally like, in that moment, you don't really take it all in as much as when you look back at it and you're like, oh, why didn't I do this? Why didn't yeah, exactly. I do that? It's just because like, when you're there in the moment, you're just like, you're just thinking, oh, when, when can I next sleep? Or what should I go and get something to eat or whatever? It's just, you don't really want to. I don't know. I'm pretty ashamed to say that I, that happened to me. And I read next, if it happens again, we stop touring again. I'm going to look at it so differently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So just going back to what you were saying back in 2014 when your first gig was in Ireland, what was your <laughs> what was your situation right back then? What what were you doing? Were you were you working in were you doing making music? Did yeah, so I was making what? music, and like I was I was I was been DJing in like bars and clubs since I was 17. Like mm -hmm. just local bars and clubs. So as soon as I could finish college, I, I didn't even finish college. I just went and started DJing when I was 17. But it was just like local bars and stuff. Yeah. So it was like, I had like five, five gigs a week. So I, I was DJing for a long time. And then I started mm -hmm. making music and then start sending music around. And then you sort of, one track sort of starts to bubble and then you get the odd request in the UK for like your local area, like Liverpool. I've got a couple of requests from Liverpool. And it was like, the fee was like, I think it was like 350, 400 pounds. And I was like, no way. I, was like, I cannot believe that I'm getting paid 400 pounds to go and DJ, which I was doing. When I first started DJing, I was doing it for free. So I was like, wow. I'm getting paid 400 pounds to go and do this thing that it's just my hobby, do you know what I mean? And I was, that was insane to me. It was just mind blowing. And then six months after that, I was on the road like at least twice a week nice and then again you sort of you just fall into it and you don't really appreciate it while you're doing it again and it happens like that happens just and then so i had to leave all my local gigs what i had from 2014 i had to quit them all and then i was just touring full time then which was weird to me because local gigs they are secu they're secu more secure than than being on tour yeah so i've never been in a position where i didn't know when i was getting paid next you know what i'm saying so if, yeah if I was on the road, you could see like, you can see a diary three, four months in advance. So I was thinking to myself, so what's going to happen when I get to five months' time? 
I was like, I was so stressed at the beginning because I just didn't, I didn't understand, you know, the momentum. How it works. Yeah, it's really bizarre to me, but I, you've got to learn quick. It's learn on your feet. Yeah. And how did you find, what, obviously being by yourself as a DJ and an artist and having them local um, gigs, to all of a sudden start touring and also work with a team around you yeah. because obviously from the uh, all artists start by themselves and then it gets to a point where you do need to have a team that working around you how do you find that transition from being by yourself to all of a sudden having to work with other people well it's not it's it's the working with other people and then it's the giving away well 25 cents of your money as well yeah yeah which, which is not many people not many people speak about it that's what you've got to do it happened, happened to me pretty quickly so i in fact, I met my first manager that first gig in Ireland that I did. Um, my manager's brother picked me up from the airport. My old manager's brother, and he said, uh, "My brother's a manager. He manages someone else as well." And I was thinking, "I what manage me for what?" I didn't even know management for DJs existed back then. So I was just thinking, "What does he want me for? Like, what's he going to manage? I'm on the road and blah blah blah." So then he puts me in contact with his brother, and then. Within the space of two weeks, I'd signed for the management company. Wow. And then I signed for a social media company to take on the social media. And then I had an eight because my wife was doing me, me bookings for me at the time. So then all of a sudden, I'm giving away nearly half of the money. <laughs> I was thinking, what is going on? But then it's what they bring in as well. So at first, I was so apprehensive and I was just like, this ain't gonna fly with me. I'm, 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 I'm in less than what I was last month, and my wife was doing the booking. Yeah. But then, but then they, they, they get you fee up. They know how to talk to people, and they, they get you in touch with labels or the, or the DJs, better agency, and then, then, then you can't live without management once you've got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it worked for me, and I, I couldn't see myself without management now, personally. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of, I don't think it's something that a lot of people probably think about because it's not, it's, it's even when you start a new company or you, you, you get a new job and all of a sudden you've got different people around you and you have to answer to this question and give them that and give them this. It's quite something, it can be hard to adapt to and so especially if you're working and touring by yourself and then all of a sudden you've got this to talk to or this person and you've got all these different people you've got to work with. Sometimes I guess it could be quite difficult to adapt yeah. to something like that. Yeah, no, it is, it is tough because I, it was weird having to, because I was just doing things on the fly and doing things just how I wanted to do them. Then someone else coming in telling me, you know, this is what you should do. Then a social media company take, like saying, don't post this. Because I try and be quite personal on my social media. And at first they were like, no, you, you, we'll set you a, a, a schedule of when you post, what you post and how you post it. And I was like, this ain't, this ain't right. That's what the, the whole point of social media is to be social. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just posting up photos of me looking moody in the corner. So I'm just like, nah, this ain't, this ain't happening. And then, so I stopped working with that social media company after about a year, which they, they, did, they did really help, but it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that isn't. Yeah, do you still, do you, so do you do your own social media now? Yeah, yeah, I do my own. It's, I, I, I quite enjoy it as well. I could get, I've had people approach me and I've, I spoke to people about them taking over, but I don't know, I just like doing it. It takes yeah. my mind, if I need to take my mind off music for a while, I can just go and sit and chat on Instagram to people or post photos or whatever. How important do you think it is for an artist to keep their social media as personal as possible? I mean, it, 
for me, it, it kind of makes you accessible. Whereas a lot of people don't like to feel, they like to, like, there's sort of a bit of a mystique about the app. Yeah. I like to keep mine personal. I think it works for some DJs. You see some DJs and all they'll post is a picture and then a flyer. Yeah. Like and that's it. Nothing, no, nothing personal, nothing about them. No, do you know what I mean? And that, that works for some people. But for me, I don't know, I like to keep it. I, I feel like I want people to be able to come. If they see me in a club or whatever, and I'm DJ, and I want them to be able to come and speak to me. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to give off like a, a cold sort of like per persona. Definitely. And I can even, I know exactly what you mean from my point of view as, as a presenter as well. When if, I, if I have to interview somebody that I probably don't know, I always go on social media and I kind of just look at what they've been doing and stuff. And when I see that it's not a really personal account, I get quite nervous about, about interviewing them because I'm like, I don't know That's anything about this person at all, apart from what their next release is and where they're going to play next and that's and, it if, and that's you working with them so imagine what like a fan would be like if they saw them they'd yeah be like oh uh, they'd be really nervous and it, i don't know it's it's i prefer to keep it quite personal and like I, I, people I'm, I'm open on my social media you know and there's no secrets about who i am the name what the whatever what i'm into I, I i'm always doing stories and stuff where i don't know if if i've if i'm DJ in a lineup with someone, and then I've, I, I'm same as you, and I've seen their Instagram, and it's just like, there's nothing, it's like a robot that's doing it. I'm like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Like, don't bang it too hard before them. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so, sometimes you can, I mean, some people post loads and loads, and sometimes you know everything about them, and you're like, you yeah. actually know this person. But I think if you find a nice balance, it's and a least you can... that's right, balance, balance. Yeah. Not to not be one of them people post absolutely everything that they eat, drink, talk about, what they dreamt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who just knocked on the front door? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, We Belong, your label. Okay. So um, I thought it'd be really interesting, especially for other artists that are listening or anybody that wants to start their own label. How you found starting your own label and what challenges you found along the way um getting the this sort of creative direction of the, of the label was pretty tough to begin with in terms of the logo and the artwork and stuff because it needs to be a running theme you can't keep changing i mean you can if you want to but personally i felt you couldn't keep changing the theme of the artwork so it's finding a designer that you like which took me honestly about four or five months to find the right really designer. Yeah, it was really tough. Finding the right designer to do all your artwork for you, it was pretty pretty difficult. And we went through so many people, but we got this the, the, these two uh, brothers to do ours for us, which was, we got them in the end. But finding, getting your ideas to a designer and getting that designer to put the ideas on paper, the whole sort of process of doing that took so long because I'm not, I can't, I can't draw, I can't paint, I but trying to tell someone how to do it, they must have been thinking, <laughs> you can't do it, just tell me, don't tell me. Like your little graphic, your stick yeah, yeah, do this. Just like, <laughs> like a smiley face. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty difficult. And then the sound of the label, like I've been accepting demos for, since the label began and I've not signed a single record of anyone yet because it's been so, I've been so fussy with the label but it's the sound that I want to have the label to have. And that, again, you need to find your sound of the label. Because if yeah. you've got a label that just released completely across the board, 
of all types of electronic music. You're, gonna, you're not going to find your sort of like niche in the market and then it's just another label then. Yeah. You've got to try and find out what is your sound, what's the sound of the label and how you want people to perceive the label in terms of visually as well. And if you, you, once you find it, you stick to it as well because that's, that was your sort of like artistic perspective of it. Yeah. When, so when did you actually launch the label? Uh, about a year, it was a year ago this month. So I did, the first release, I did the first release and then I didn't release any more up until I'd probably say the end of the last of last year. Because I don't, I don't want to just hammer releases out. I want to, if I've got something that I feel needs to be put out and I don't want to sign it to anyone else, I'll release it. But if yeah. I haven't, then I'm, I'm releasing on other labels. I, I don't need to have the label constantly releasing. I'll just do it as and when. Yeah. So I did the first one a year ago. I've had three releases now, just releases from me. Um, again, I'm looking for other, other records, but I've not been able to sign any just yet. Is, was having your own label something that you've always wanted to do? Yeah, massively. That, that's, in fact, I wanted to do it when I first started. My manager was just like, no, don't, because you, you're not as, as well known as you think you are. And he's right. I'm probably still not. But you need this, it has to come a time where you have to do it. Do you know what I mean? Well, for, for me anyway. Yeah. Because I'm sat on like, I've literally, the past two weeks, I must have wrote eight records. Nice. And I'm like, I don't want to just keep pounding other labels to sign records. So I'm like, this is perfect. I could do a four-track EP. In, it'll take about four weeks for it to go to promo and then to, to distribution and stuff. But it takes four weeks to you know, end to end. I could, I could have this out by the end of the start of... What, 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 what is it? April now we're in May. Ooh, we are now in... Today is the 6th of May. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I could have a release out the first week in June. That's how quickly... and that, that, that Most labels, it takes about eight months to get your release out. That's have, really quick. <laughs> I could have one out in four weeks if I, if I really wanted to. That's the whole beauty of the label is you can just release as and when. Do you have any releases coming up on the label? Uh, nothing scheduled. and nothing scheduled in yet, but I've just finished one that I think would suit the label. So I'm going to probably put this in for the probably August, September time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So if having your own label was one of your goals, what other big goals do you have in your career? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I want to really, I want to do an album of my label as well. Mm -hmm. uh, my goals, I've been fortunate enough to hit a lot of them. Like it was play at Tomorrowland, play like these festivals, play DC 10, play Amnesia. And then, and then like go to places like, I always wanted to go to New Zealand and then go to New Zealand. I went to New Zealand last year for the first time. And then, just Aww. visiting places is mainly on my sort of like goals list and then certain clubs or festivals that was uh and i've been lucky enough to hit like 90 percent of them so far but um i think an album's probably what i want to do next it must be so amazing having some of these places and clubs and festivals on your list and then when you get there be like wow like boy, yeah. such an achievement no it it's, it's, it's there's, there's points where like i was playing in tomorrowland last year and I was pretty lucky because yeah, it was alphabet alphabetical order. So it was like <laughs> it was like dub fire, Luciano eats everything, and I was just killing at <laughs> the top of it. Well, you deserve to be there as well. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just stood there. And I was just DJing. I was, it was just seeing people. And I was like, this is mental. 
like fully mental. And when you hit those goals and you stood there, and like first time in DC10, you walk into the main room and I was just like, mine was blown because I've been going there for years, so many years, and I was always like, this is this is the target. This is like the. I remember that day. Oh, you were there. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> is that the first time we met? No. I wonder when the first. Uh, actually. I think I think we we spoke, but the first time we or was it in amnesia? I'm not sure. Oh goodness, I don't know. <laughs> All a blur. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you still get when when you have like a really big crowd, like for for example, Tomorrowland, as you just mentioned? Do you still feel quite nervous? Yeah, for the big ones, yeah, definitely. Um, I was I was nervous, and the first time at Creamfields, I um. I was going to be opening the, the, the stage. It was Pete Tong's stage in 2015. And then I got a call um, the day before and said, the set times have changed. You're going to be on a bit later. So they get there for like 6 p.m. So I was thinking, that's like four hours after it opens. So when I get there at 6 p.m., they're like, you're not on till 11. Oh, sorry, <gasps> 10, 10 o'clock. And I was like, right, so I'm going to 10 till half 11. Pete's on half 11 till 1. And that was the end of the stage. And I was like... Ah! and then my agent was just like you've been thrown in the deep end but you just got it and I was so nervous it was the most nervous I've ever been for anything ever Aww. it was terrifying because I'd, my the biggest gig I'd done was probably around in 2015 probably around 500 people and that time that time when the stage was open there must have been about five four five thousand the thing I was most nervous about was I never played on a system that big before so I didn't know what record sounded big on a system that large. Yeah. And it, to prepare the set, and when I got there, I was, I think um, Claude Von Stroke was on before me. And then I was listening to him play, and I was like, these records I've got ain't going to fly. This is not going to work. So I had to just get the USBs in. I was just like, flip it up. I went straight to the techno folder. So it's like, did you? <laughs> I just had to nail it because the whole day, it was just like, it was, I, I, I just thought, I just thought, right, I'm going to get people there to see you, you play your set. Even it doesn't matter if it's 10 o'clock or 2 p.m. But then you can't follow an act throughout the whole day. It's been slowly building up. Yeah. And then play 2 p.m. music at 10 p.m. on Pete Tong's stage. Yeah. So, so I just had to, that was a big for me. I had to learn on the job, really. Sometimes it's the best way, thrown in at the deep end, because yeah. otherwise you'd be like, I'll take it step by step. But sometimes if they just go, right, just go and do it, then you're like, yeah. okay, I'll do it. But has, once it, you... has that ever been the same for you when you like work at certain, like, because you do the radio stuff? What was the first time like, when you did that? Was you pretty nervous? Oh, I was so nervous. Do you know what? I think with the radio, because it's live as well, um, I, my first ever live radio show was at Blue Marlin, and it was on a Sunday, and it was a Pete Tong Sessions. And I remember I wrote out my whole script of what I was going to yes. say on live radio. <laughs> I love that. I wrote out every t minute that I was going to write. So uh, minute 43, whatever, this is the exact words. And I remember being stood there with my piece of paper and just reading them all out. And I think the second time I went back the next Sunday and I did the same thing. And then I was like, right, you just got to go for it. It's radio. You can't <laughs> read what you're going to say. <laughs> That's amazing. So how long did it take you before you felt like completely comfortable? Like in terms of like no butterflies, no nerves, you know what I mean? Because it, I, it's... Probably a couple of weeks, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think because once I'd done that show, then I was doing like daily shows. So 
I was kind of, kind of used to it. I think it was more, because when you're in the studio, nobody can obviously see you. It's just you. And there's always like the, te- the sound technicians are there and stuff. I think because it was Blue Marlin and especially on a Sunday, they're always so, so busy. And there were so many people there. I think it was, all, it was also the fact that people are watching you work. Yeah, and stand there with a microphone, and there's always people that like try and want to jump in, and like they want yeah, to say yeah, something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it took me probably yeah a couple of weeks, um, but I think it's just because of it's because it's live, or it's the yeah. same as you. You're doing it, and you're in the moment, and everybody can watch you. Whereas if it's something pre-recorded, then it's kind of like, well, if I get it wrong, then yeah. I get it wrong, you know, <laughs> which happens to me all the time. And well. Don't get me wrong. The amount of times I've said something wrong on live radio as well. <laughs> Why how, do, how, how do you hide? How you say you do something wrong? How do you hide it? Because if I'm DJing, I can sort of like, <laughs> I, I can I can sort of get away with making a mistake. Whereas if you're doing live radio, there's nothing to hide behind, is there? No, absolutely nothing. I just laugh it off, and then I'm just <laughs> like, sorry guys. <laughs> oh yeah my worst thing is saying like wrong days and times and stuff i'm like happy wednesday it's 10 30 a.m and then so and then i'm like wait thursday 11 a.m <laughs> but i can't, i think that's why i like i much prefer to do live radio than like just normal videos or like live instagram yeah. and stuff like that because it's yeah, more it's just that, in the moment definitely it's a lot, a lot more fun as well because the idea of making mistakes does make it exciting as well. Yeah, or the amount of times I've said DJ names wrong, like really? pronounced. Oh yeah. Have you ever said it to a DJ's face whilst you're interviewing them and said the name wrong? Um, you don't I need don't... to say the name, but just no, like... I don't think I actually <laughs> have. But look, it did happen to me very like I was so close to doing this, and it was with um, what they called uh, another A N, okay. and I was like. I don't know how, to, and I was like, Anatur, Anatur, and then somebody, and then I think it was somebody, one of their team came in, and they were like, no, that's not what you say. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. So I just kind of, I always try and do my research now before I go in and uh, mess it yeah. up, you know. That's um, Yeah. So just to end, because the um, podcast is called Can You Put Me On Guest List, do you have a guest list rule? Uh, guest list rule. Oh, yeah, don't drink all my booze. <laughs> don't drink all my rider because this is mine. Yeah, no, because when you come to like, so when I take a load of my friends to the club, just where has he have you been to Gorilla in Manchester? No, well, they've got this little room at the top, and I was playing there a couple of years ago. And you leave your rider up there, and then they'll bring then they bring it down to you whilst you play. So I was upstairs and my ride was there. I had like five or six friends with me. And then I was like, well, I'm going to go to the stage. And then Route 94 was on before me. So I'm going to go watch him play for half an hour. Then, and then they were going to bring my ride down for me. Half an hour came and then the, 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 uh, the, the girl came down and she was just like, like with one bottle of beer. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And she was like, your friends have drank all your, all your beer. <laughs> they all came down steaming drunk, fell onto the stage. Oh, I would be annoyed. <laughs> what do you do when this stuff like that happens? You, can you ask for more? You can, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussed. It doesn't bother me. They, most of the time, people offer. They, they, they thought it was hilarious, so they were just like, "Well, you got me some more drinks." But um, yeah, you can ask for more. But like, if, if it's festival, 
you've got what you've got and that's it. You can't get more. Because yeah. it's, it's, imagine if million, hundreds of DJs have got on, on the lineup of the day. Imagine if every single DJ started being like, I want more, I want more booze, I want more booze. What if every single DJ had friends like yours? <laughs> They'd all be absolutely hammered. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Listen, thank you so much to, to, um, for chatting with me. Yeah, definitely. It's been awesome. It has been. And I really hope I get to see you soon. We will see yeah. you soon. Yeah, definitely. I'll see. I'll hopefully at the end of the summer. I'll be there. You'll be coming over. It's getting really nice and warm now. It's for me to put long sleeve t-shirts on and hide in the air conditioned rooms. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Thank and you. take care. And yeah, we'll you see too. You soon. Bye. Bye, bye, bye everyone.